Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's Hello and welcome to Sega Talk episode 62. I'm your host, George, and with me is Barry. Hello. (laughs) Put the gun away, dude. You're going to shoot somebody. And uh, today we're talking about a sexy, smooth, beautiful game called Bayonetta that came out officially in Japan in 2009. In America, came out January 2010, so I don't know if I should label this a 2010 or 2009 game. I guess 2009, because... Mm-hmm. 2019 i guess was the 10th anniversary um so you want to well first we usually start these episodes with me and barry reading our thoughts on the game but since this is a patreon bot episode uh we're going to be reading tyler's uh comments and uh mm-hmm. i guess i could also plug the the patreon real quick so basically our patreon has a bunch of uh <coughs> tiers we're also going to change it next month, so if you guys want to sponsor us in February, which we're going to have a special month, Barry could tell you about that. You want me to tell you about it right now? Yeah, yeah might as well. All right, well, um, next month we are uh, going to be celebrating the life and work of uh, Kenji Ino from Warp, who worked on the games D and D2, and uh, fittingly, <laughs> the selector of this episode selected D2, and I thought to myself, and George mentioned too to me offline, um, you know, we should really do D first, because, you know, D, D2. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so Tyler's really <laughs> telling us what to do uh, for the last few months, but we love it because then it, it, you know, it puts us outside of our comfort zone sometimes. We check out games we might not have planned to cover, and... Uh, yeah, so that's 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 about it. But there's going to be some uh, fun new little additions to the the Patreon, so it's a lot of fun. And we've got some new people too that joined us, so uh, thank you very much. I think we had like two or three people join us last month, which was uh, very special. Very special. And we're probably going to be doing like cue cards in the beginning or something. We haven't really mm-hmm. planned it out yet in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to have your name, I guess forever put on these videos and your memories forever read in the end of these episodes uh you guys should sponsor us for february so let us know if you guys want to if you guys have any questions we'll be talking a lot about d later which is another female driven action i mean adventure game i guess you could say um but let's read tyler's memories then we'll get into our memories of uh bayonetta Got it. All right. So here's what Tyler had to say. He said, Bayonetta is one of the greatest games ever made. Boom. Despite coming out over a decade ago, no other title in the character action genre has managed to come close to the fluidity and spectacle it displays. Bayonetta marks the return of Hideki Kamiya to the genre he created, a stylish action game that builds upon and perfects his work on the original Devil May Cry. As a creator, Kamiya makes action games pure and simple. This love and appreciation shines through in every aspect of Bayonetta, and his fondness for Sega's arcade titles are as clear as day. Nods to Afterburner Fantasy Zone, Hang On, and more make this a game for Sega fans 
by Sega fans. Until Kamiya returns to the genre once more, I doubt we'll see another title top Bayonetta. So that does it for our show. Thank, Thank you. you guys. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I yeah, could. Yeah. Say, I, you know, I don't know if I could said it best myself, but I will start the Try episode it. off about your history with the game, uh, your thoughts when the game came out, and has your thoughts changed now? Because like this game mm-hmm. is one of those games that's gotten like it's gotten so many re-releases. You know, fans cried for a while. You know, for years for re-releases, right. and then we just got him jammed right into us. Like there's so many yeah, re-releases. Right. Stuffed so, uh, like a turkey. Yeah. <sighs> what can I say about Bayonetta that hasn't already been said? Well, I guess personally, um, Bayonetta came about during the rise of Segabits. Um, yeah. Segabits came about in February of 2010, and Bayonetta was, um, you know, it came out late 20, 2009 in Japan, and then it started to come over here. Um, what was the release date you said it was? It was uh, it's like January something, like eleventh. Yeah, something. it was like a few so months it, before our our you know actual launch. Absolutely, but we really we I mean you and and the original writing team talked about Bayonetta a ton. Um, I was just getting back into following Sega news as games released, so I really feel like Bayonetta was the big game that I was following. Um, for the probably probably for the first time since like man something on like the PS2 you know like one of those early PS2 titles, um, so I was really out of the loop for a long time, and it was just so much fun to follow the release of the game. Um, it was so much fun to like get the game new and experience it with other fans, and what a game to choose because as I was playing this game, like something about it just was I was like this is a good game. And that sounds weird, but, like, how many times have you sat down and played a game and you're like, this is a perfect game? Like, I wasn't reviewing games at that point, but A+. You know, like, 10 yeah. out of 10. I was just like, nothing in this game disappoints me. It keeps, like, exceeding my expectations. It's just awesome. Like, I wasn't like, oh, the camera sucks. Oh, this voice acting is terrible. I was just like, this is great. And I think I was spoiled because I have not... <laughs> really experienced a game like this ever again in the modern era in the past, uh, you know, 10 years. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say except that. It's just, it's such a fantastic game and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. I really, really, really like this game because like at the time I was kind of getting out of these action games. Devil May Cry was cool, but there was always something about the controls that kind of made it Mm -hmm. feel a little clunky. And if you kind of go back in the history of the development of Devil May Cry, it's supposed to be a Resident Evil game, uh, Resident Evil 4 (laughs) to be exact. So like it kind of makes sense. Some of the ideas, like the way the camera worked was like pretty primitive, you know, like the old Resident Evil games. So, when this game came out, it blew my mind. Like it's so smooth. Right. And then they had the witch time and then they had all the Sega references, which me being a super Sega fan, it was just like Sega finally gave a huge budget, uh, not only just marketing and all this stuff and hype oh, yeah. to a, to a team that liked old Sega games. But at the same time, it kind of made me a little jealous as a Sega fan, because it's like, wow, these guys from Capcom get the big budget. They get all the spotlight. And then it, Where's Sega AM2? Where's uh, where's Hitmaker? Where's all these other teams that Sega used to have? Why aren't they right. getting this? Because like yeah, at this time, fair. Sega was Sega at the time was just either promoting this these games, the Platinum Game games, because they thought they were going to sell 10 million units, or they would 
advertise the Western games, really. So, like, I was just happy that we finally got some Japanese representation in the world. And Sega tried. I think a lot of the games were really artsy, really hardcore. And it's actually kind of interesting. We'll go into the development right now about how they didn't really start off as a hardcore company. But Mm. Bayonetta is pretty close to perfect. I think if I had to make a complaint, which to me it isn't a complaint, but I hear a lot of other people say it's a complaint. It's like once you you hit a boss, they reuse those bosses over and over again. And sometimes they, they'll make you fight them eight times in one turn. But I feel like it just shows you how scaled the fighting gets in, in Bayonetta. It's like, oh, this guy used to be a boss. Now he ain't nothing. So <laughs> then you start going and it gets bigger and bigger. So I, I personally like it. I do know people complain about that. Just wanted to put that out there that I did mention it. Um, there is actually quite a lot of d- documentation and stories that came out during the making and release of Bayonetta that paints an interesting picture of not only Sega at the time, but also the newly founded studio Platinum Games. This is our first Platinum Games episode, oddly enough. I'm surprised, actually. And we mm-hmm. have Me too. to start by uh, the founding of the studio. Platinum Games didn't just start as Platinum Games, but it was actually two independent studios. That merged, it, they were called Seed, Seeds, Inc. and Odd Inc., which merged hmm. in 2007. Um, these were all basically uh, ex-Capcom studios. So, obviously, when they got together, they became an all-star Capcom team, basically. So, here are some of the Capcom all-stars that were part of this team. Shinji Mikami, who did Resident Evil, Dino Crisis, and God Hand. Uh, if I mess up these names, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Atsushi Anaba, who did DMC, The Devil May Cry, not the, the remake. Ace <laughs> Attorney, Steel Battalion, and he his early career, he worked on Samurai Showdown as a programmer, which is one of my favorite SNK games. The Twitter infamous troll Hideki Kaimiya, who did Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, Okami. And they later on got more talent, including... Uh, Masami Yuda, who worked on uh, Resident Evil 1 through 3, DMC, Beautiful Joe 1 and 2, and Okami, mm. character designer, who is very important to this game, by the way. Mari Madi, which is in Spanish, sorry. Mm. Shimazaki, Shimazak, she goes for, she goes by Shin Mako, by the way, her nickname, so I'll just call her Shin Mako from now on, who, uh, obviously designed Bayonetta and is a huge, part of why Bayonetta is what Bayonetta is and uh I think there's also the musician that I might have already uh yeah the composer yeah yeah he worked on Resident Evil 1 through 3 Masami Ueda yeah 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 he's very important obviously to the sound of Bayonetta which has I think one of the most unique soundtracks of all time but uh what is your opinion on Clover Studios games that basically Mm. these people were all basically ex-Clover Studio people uh, besides mm-hmm. a few, but uh, the games that Clover Studios made included Viewful Joe, Viewful Joe 2, Viewful Joe Red Hot Rumble, Viewful Joe Double Trouble, <laughs> Okami, and God Hand. And mm. I did not know there were so many Viewful Joe games, by the way. Me so. neither. I didn't know there were four. <laughs> um, yeah, my either. opinion on them, I mean, they make great games. They make over-the-top crazy games. They make games that um, I I don't really know how to explain it. They just, they, they find... A gimmick. I don't want to call it a gimmick, though. But they just they they find something to make an action game unique and fun without feeling forced, um, without feeling like a gimmick. 
because uh, I'll, I'll play a lot of action games. They're like, oh, it's an action game and you do X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's cute. But with these games, like, I'll, like I'll sit down and play um, Bayonetta or, or even like Okami or God Hand or Beautiful Joe. And I'm like, well, this is how, of course, this is how the game is because, you know, I can't imagine it playing any other way. Um, now, I would say uh, Wonderful 101 is probably their most gimmicky game. And I'm not a huge mm. fan of that game. Um, I, but like, that's, that's kind of the comparison I'd make. Like wonderful one-on-one too gimmicky gets lost in the gimmick, kind of hard to get into, but these other games, like it's just, they're so intuitive. They're so fun. Um, and I just, I just love them. And also, did you say a woman designed Bayonetta? Cause that just blows <gasps> apart my whole argument later in the episode about how sexist she is. <laughs> uh, I guess women could be sexist themselves too. So I guess some feminists would yeah, say that's the argument, or people that don't like Bayonetta. That that could be an argument. I mean, mm. I mean, I do think. I mean, we'll talk about it later. But I think I do think they have a point. But I think they also miss another. Like it's all about perspective in life, you know. So um, mm. I will say about these titles, uh, I really love Beautiful Joe. Um, like the comic book look i always thought it reminded me a lot of comic zone um very big fan of the game uh mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember playing it and uh at the time it's a long story rather than i get into but i will just move on to the i will say that most fans of the company will say that bayonetta is what they think about when they think about platinum games while the game, while the title is a super early Platinum Games title, it wasn't officially the company's first game. Uh, hmm. Do you know what the first game is? You don't have um, to know. I, I, is it? Uh, I wouldn't have known either, to be honest with you. There's so many. It's not they released. that that um, DS game, is it? Infinite Space or close, but no. What is it? Mad World. Mm. Oh, but so I wouldn't. So here, I thought it was the other way around. Okay. I did too. So let's look at the, the release dates on here. And they came out so close to each other. They were like mere months apart. So it would be like before Bayonetta, Mad World came out on March 10th, 2009. Maybe I screwed this up. March. No, no, wait. You're right. I, no, no, no. Wait, no, no. I was right. March 10th, 2009 <laughs> in North America. And Infinite Space came out June 11th, 2009 in Japan. This uh, game was okay. just uh, Infinite Space was just co-developed by Platinum Games. So I guess that's why it doesn't get as much attention. Um the the a company called Nude Maker made the rest of the Infinite Space, uh, and then and then Bayonetta came out in October, the fall. Plus, wow. we got it the next year, uh, mm-hmm. early January. But um, what is your thoughts on the company's like early output? And are you surprised that these like titles were so like back to back? Um, it doesn't really surprise me just because they're in for such different systems. And now that you mentioned infinite space was a co-development, like I could imagine that was not too much hands-on for them. And also DS games don't take as much of a team as like a Xbox 360 title. Um, Mad world just feels so different that I'd imagine it was like a kind of a different team. Um, yeah. Maybe sharing some people, but it just, and it also feels like a small game to me. Um, not a huge sprawling game like Bayonetta with a big budget. So, you know, end of the day, it seems like it's two games really. And, um, now if there were three games on the level of Bayonetta, I'd be like, holy, holy crap. But, uh, no, it, yeah, it, it's Bayonetta's not too shocking. The, and the biggest one, I've, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've played Mad World. I like it. I like the music. It's a little, um, repetitive though. Um, 
but I do like the announcers for it. They're a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm looking... We'll do Mad World someday on this show, but... Um, I definitely want to play more of Infinite Infinite Space. It's one of those mm. that, like, so many games were coming out at this time. I think that was one of the negative things about Platinum Games. Like, if you were a hardcore fan and you wanted to buy it, they literally released four games under Sega in two years. It's like, wow. and plus of all of the other Sega output that they would Sega would do by themselves, it was kind of, kind of hard to like keep up with what Sega was doing. It was just too much. But mm. yeah, that I like the early games from them. I think it was a good start for a company. I can't think of many companies that started off making one of their best games like the first year the company went live, basically. So very, 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 very cool. So, uh, most of the information going forward here is actually condensed from a great documentary slash behind the scene interviews called The Eyes of Bayonetta. Definitely check that out if you guys have time. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, obviously, yeah, I already said check it out. Um, Planet Games' own blog also has a lot of uh, history of the website, including like the artist, like why they made the music the way it is, why Bayonetta looks the way she is. There's a lot of breakdowns of, uh, with the people behind it. And so, yeah, you guys should check that out, too. i actually very surprised at how much content Platinum Games created to promote Bayonetta and how much behind the scenes they went. So I like that from the studio. I wish Sega Studios would do that for their games, too. Like, Same uh, here. RGG doing, like, why is Ichiban this, you know, everything about Ichiban and why they, they decided to switch to him and stuff, you know? So... According to the heads of the studio, the start of what would be Platinum Games all started with cranking out proposals as the studio set their infrastructure to work. According to Kamiya, most of the early proposals were more casual game ideas where a family could all play together in the living room. This was what was in at the time since the height of the popularity. Uh-oh. Are you okay, dude? Is that COVID? No, I'm fine. Okay. I muted it uh, on the, the recording, so... I was trying to do a okay. radio trick there. Oh, sorry. Oh, so now no, nobody heard it in, in the actual recording. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Uh, the height of the popularity <laughs> of the DS. Also, the same year, the Nintendo Wii was officially unveiled. This is 2006, right? When they were mm-hmm. trying to be casual. In the documentary, Kamiya even called these types of games the new cash cow. The company <laughs> obviously obviously went a completely uh, way a different way in the end. Sadly, we didn't get to see any of these casual game ideas. Uh, while now Platinum Games is, has been established as a company for 12 years, and we they're basically known as the hardcore Japanese gamers' favorite developer. Mm. What do you think the studio? Uh, what do you think about the studio trying to be like more of a Nintendo type company, more family friendly? Do you think that would have worked out? I mean, we have 12 years of the company um, doing a bunch of different stuff. I- I think it would have been a mistake. I feel like it's a common thing. You see a lot of developers who leave their big name studios behind. You see it with uh, Prope, um, with Yuji Naka. You see it with, um, uh, well, as we'll cover in February, Kenji Ino did that later in his career. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like a common thing where they're like, well, it's just me and a small team. I'm going to make Wii and uh, um, mobile phone games. And it's just going to be simple, fun, quirky little ideas. And it's just like, well, that stick with people. Are we like 10 years later going to be talking about, um, you know, like Tappy Bear or something? <laughs> you know, no, I we're don't. not. So, you know, they yeah. could make they could make some really fun, cute little games. But 
it's not going to make the mark that the games they did make made. But I, I don't want to get too into it, but I do feel like they've really slipped in the past few years. I just, I don't think about them that much anymore. I don't think about their games. I don't I know think if they're making because, games. Uh, <laughs> they made Astral Chain not that long ago. I haven't picked it up oh, myself, yeah. and uh, and uh, but it kind of went under the radar. And I definitely think a lot of people are just waiting for Bayonetta three, which is mm. going to be the end of the episode. A little talk about the future of the franchise, but I will say uh, about this whole like um, where was it? Where, where, where's my notes at? That's what I'm okay. As as them being casual though, like I have no like. Like, I don't have no, no no respect for that. Like, I have to agree with you. It's <laughs> like, back then, all these companies in Japan were chasing trends. And and I think it hurt a lot of developers at the time. And a lot of them went and closed up. I can't really, like, n- there were so many companies that wanted to either chase the, make a, a Gears of War type game. Or they were trying to do the family-friendly Wii game. It's like, they only, they only saw two ways to win. By either being super family friendly in hopes that mm-hmm. it would be a wee hit, or they would go, you know, oh, we're Western now. And both ways are kind of pathetic. So I'm happy that uh, Planet Games put down their foot and said, you know what? No way. We're going to make another type of Devil May Cry action game, even though, you know, Capcom's been kind of like upset. Like, Capcom at this time was also stopping making Devil May Cry games. They released four, mm. and then we obviously waited so long for five. So there's obviously sales issues but yeah one day Hideki Kamiya walked by the desk of studio producer uh Yosoki Hashimoto uh where they chatted uh basically they talked about what they should do next like they were still in talks and Hashimoto basically told Kamiya he wanted to have one he wanted him to make one of his signature 3D action games uh since he was you know he's the he's the guy that created Devil May Cry Mm-hmm. It seemed that the support, uh, the support of the studio, got Kamiya to uh, drop the whole, I- the whole idea of casual games and went all in on the idea that became Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at this point, uh, Bayonetta games have decided that their next big action game was about a witch coming to modern times. That was the whole concept, a witch, but in modern times. Even though Bayonetta takes place in its own world, but I guess it's a modern world. Uh, kind of, yeah. The game started planning stations in 2006. The company kept quiet, and it wasn't until 2008 when Sega was unveiling that they were they had exclusive publishing rights to all four, at least four, Platinum Games games. <laughs> I love that game. I love their name. It's like Platinum Games games. <laughs> According to Minami, that uh, they, okay. So basically, in the documentary, they talk about how these were such unique and creative titles that they actually they actually say that Sega was very courageous publisher for publishing these games. Not only that, they gave them all creative control to them. Mm-hmm. And Sega obviously co-owned the, the IPs that they were publishing. This means that Sega owns a slice of Mad World, Infinite Space, Vanquish, and uh, obviously Bayonetta. At least the first one. So, mm-hmm. do, you, uh, do you remember that the partnership announcement between Platinum Games and Sega? What did you feel and what did you think? And did you think it was going to last longer than four years? Um, I think we all wished it would. I think at that time it was really... Um... I'm trying to think back. It was really like Sonic, uh, classic Sonic, like the Sonic 4 titles, um, modern Sonic, 
All-Stars Racing, um, Bayonetta, or Platinum Games stuff, um, Miku, the mm. PC real-time strategy games. And so we really didn't have that much. And there wasn't that much that Sega localized outside of the Platinum Games stuff and, of course, Sonic. Um mm. So we were all really hoping that it would just continue on and on. And, you know, this would just be a thing now. We're like, we got our... And maybe Sega would buy Platinum Games. You know, that was really, I think, a hope for a lot of um, people within the Sega Bits community and the Sega community as a whole. And it just, you know, it, it never happened. But there was also that kind of, like, counting game. Either you're counting down the years or thinking, oh, it was a, a you know, a finite amount of games under the deal. So is this the last one? Is that the last one? And um, it just kind of happened. You know, I don't think there was a big announcement. It was just like, oh, okay, guess they're done. Yeah, um. <laughs> they were doing a Metal Gear game and they were gone kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. pretty um, much. I wish Sega would have bought the studio. I remember, I remember when Bayonetta came out and there was people starting rumors that they were going to work on a Shinobi game and bring it back. And that got mixed oh, yeah. opinions. Um, so I, I, I really wish Sega would have bought them. I think they made a mistake not trying to acquire them. But, right. you know, Sega, right? They made a lot of mistakes during this time. Um, Absolutely. While Platinum Games has never come out and said it, this is my personal belief right here, so my, some people might get mad. I personally think Bayonetta is just Platinum Games doing the opposite of Devil May Cry, or at least some examples, right? So we got Bayonetta, a female lead instead of, of a male like Dante. Dante is mm -hmm. a demon hunter. And uh, Bayonetta is actually a witch that fights angels while Dante fights demons, right? Uh, right? But Kamiya stands and says that Bayonetta is completely original, but has admitted that he's taken some Scandinavian mythology names and says he played about half of Devil May Cry 4, which was new during 2008, mm -hmm. uh, so he could figure out what's modern and you know try to modernize Bayonetta. Regardless of this, Bayonetta has always meant to be a female because according to the developers... Male leads have been overdone at this point. I decided to test this theory, so I did a quick Google search. I did video games released in 2008. And mm -hmm. uh, here are some of the hot-selling titles of, the, of 2008. Fallout 3, Grand Theft Auto 4, Call of Duty, World at War, Metal Gear Solid 4, Dead Space, Gears of War 2, Left 4 Dead, just the original, mm -hmm. Far Cry 2, Fable... I think it might be two. I'm not sure. Uh, DMC4, which obviously has wow. four, three guy protagonists. I think Left 4 Dead has one, two girl uh, that you could you know pick up because it's a four player game. Obviously, there's some females. Right. But outside of that one, they're all male leads and they're all the highest selling games. So Planet Games uh. basically when, oh, yeah, that's popular. Fuck you. We're going to do women. <laughs> We're going to do a woman. So. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, a lot of those two... They're first-person shooters, or they're like open-world adventure games, mm -hmm. which, which is Bayonetta something... is neither. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and know? it was like the opposite of what Japanese people were chasing. They either wanted to be more like these games, or they wanted to be a family-friendly game. And they went neither way. So it's funny that they just, you know... Um, right. What are your? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you notice these trends in the mid two thousands that most most games were getting brown? They were getting more westernized. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this was a time when I was just getting back into gaming. Um, Sonic Unleashed came out in two thousand eight, and that's when I got a Xbox three hundred and sixty. Um, 
and I was kind of getting back into gaming and just nothing appealed to me. Everything looked gritty and brown and it was, um, if it wasn't like set in modern day and super gritty, it was set in, it was like a, a twist on something. So it was like, it's a shooter, it's a first person shooter, but it's, uh, you know, Fallout 3, it's a first person shooter, but it's, you know, Left 4 Dead, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I was, I'm not into first person shooters. I I'm not good at them. I don't really like playing them. The only one I love, the only two I love are um, uh, Star Wars Dark Forces and Wolfenstein, pretty much. Um, mm. So that, that tells you. But it's just nothing's exciting there. And I think what I loved so much about Bayonetta when that finally came out was I liked the old school video game kind of um, stage progression. It's, it's very like arcade, old school. Basically. Yeah, it's like an arcade game. And it's very easy to play bite-sized bits Instead of like Grand Theft Auto 4 where you're like, oh, I'm just going to hit save after a couple hours. You know, there's no... Yeah. I, I just love that. And the, the reward system, all that. It's just, it's so old school, but it's so refreshing at that time. Yeah, I would say much. that during this time to me, it was like a little, you know, a little Japanese little treat. You know, stuff we used <laughs> to get all the time back in the PS2 era that kind of went away for a while. So totally. I was, de- I definitely noticed the trend. I I used to always harp on games that were trying to copy Western art styles. Like some people might hate me for saying this, but like Twilight Princess is one of the ga- like Nintendo games that like looks the most Western. It's like like more brown, more gloomy, which is something sure. that was that was being done a lot in this era. But Bayonetta's name is obviously a play on the short blade on the rifle, which is called a bayonet. This is the start and origin of the name that became Bayonetta. According to Kamiya, this represented the idea behind Bayonetta's combat that's a mix of melee and shooting. The Hmm. idea was to take the word Bayonet and give it a feminine twist. Thus, it became Bayonetta. According to the team, they didn't want a generic action game name and having that would ruin the first impressions of the game. According to the team, Bayonetta had a very BAM feel to it. Uh, when you hear it, um, yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, do you think it has a BAM feel? And do you remember any games off the top of your head that have such generic titles that you kind of forgot about them? But since they're so generic, you probably don't remember the title. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Bayonetta very much does have a very BAM feel. And I don't know if we're going to watch it later, but like the uh, um, Western trailer when it's playing that you know, I'm going in for the kill. I'm doing it for oh, the thrill. Oh, definitely, that song. definitely, and definitely doing that. They one. they have her fucking foot just boom go down. You know, and the and then the the thing, uh, what is it? The the um from the gun, the uh, little the gun the the what do you mean? The bit that comes see you, tells you how much <laughs> the, the I know about comes, guns. The, shell, the, the shell. things that fly the shell the shell flies and then it hits the screen and it's like. Bam! Like, there's a literal bam. And then it goes, Bayonetta. So you get this, like, <laughs> badass, hardcore title reveal, and then this feminine voice saying it. And it's just such a... Um, two just very different things. The super machismo, like, boom, with a gun. And then this feminine voice. And I just... I love it. Um, but just going through that list of games there that we, we mentioned in 2008... They all just, it's like a word salad for me. Like, if you told me there was a game called uh, Left for War 2, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Or like, uh, <laughs> Far Dead, Far Dead 4, or, or, you know, like, I don't know. It's just nothing, nothing 
jumps out at me like Bayonetta. And I think if anything, the the my main problem with the sequels is they just took Bayonetta and added a number. Like I kind of wish they, I kind of wish the sequel was called like Gene or something. You know, like so I don't know, just like, uh, just keep it going. Keep it going, I'm, like just have other characters' names, or, or call it like Bayonetta and give it like a subtitle, you know, like Heaven and Hell, or I don't know, maybe that's too generic again. Bloody but, Fate, like the anime, but uh, I like the I anime s- name Bayonetta Bloody Fate would be sweet. I will say that there's a lot of games even now coming out with really bad names. One that I always forget, and I had to look it up while you were talking. Yeah, there's this game that's trying to copy Panzer Dragoon. That's supposed to be like an online PC, like multiplayer game where you ride the back of dragons. The game is Mm. called Century Age of Ashes. Ashes. How am I supposed to remember this name? Like Century Age of Ashes? It's so generic. Age of Ashes. Ashes. I can't even say Ashes. Do you like like Century Age of Ashes? Do you have Century (laughs) Age of Ashes for the... (laughs) the ps4 basically i can't even say the names oh, i'd like to pre-order it. century age of ashes but then Change you go the to ba- GameStop and you're like i'd like to pre-order bayonetta and they're like fuck yeah dude it. fuck but yeah man, man. That, <laughs> they used to play that that uh going for the kill video 24 hours a day in Bay- i mean in GameStop. so i love that video they, they know what's up anyway According to the development team, the design of Bayonetta was the hardest thing about the game. And uh, the honor came to, obviously, Mari Shimazaki, who uh, yeah. did an official blog post, which you could see if, uh, on the site. I, I posted some of the pictures. If you're watching the video, you can watch the video. I mean, if you're watching the video, we have pictures up, obviously. But uh, if you're totally. in the audio format, what, how do you describe this first drawing of Bayonetta right here? The one that ton they, of them. Uh, Look at all these. Yeah. yeah, there's a ton of them, but on the blog, there's this one, right? The one that she yeah, called yeah. her first design with the, the moon the, the moon boob window. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your opinion on that, I guess? And uh, I guess she shows a few other ones where it's like more traditional, but the first one seems to be like pretty spot on, I would say, what she became. They just had to like kind of changed a little bit here and there right yeah you know i i have a friend of mine who works in the fashion industry and this is very much like how the proportions they use for clothing design um so it's it's very clear that the artist i think it i think it wasn't just her doing like a a style but i think this is her really focusing on the clothing over the character um so i mean it's it's i i love the um the the moon you know with yeah, the the boob window it's just it's such a cool concept it's so simple too you take two circles offset one and you've got a moon on her over her breasts it's just i mean of course it's like it's so obvious uh, revealing the breasts is such like a female action game thing but the way they do it is just so honestly brilliant and then the fact yeah. that she's got her her um you know, like you said, witch, and people immediately think of the pointy hat. She does have a witch's hat, but it's her hair, you know, going up. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, is kind of why I don't like the sequel's design, just because I'm like, where did her witch's hat hair go? Come on. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Maybe she lost there, there's, her hat. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. We'll talk about it when we do a sequel episode about the sequel. Yeah, right. right? Um, so when she was given the, the Bayonetta design or to do it, this was her basically outline from the team she had to mm-hmm. be female a modern witch 
and she has to use four guns. That's all they gave her, and she came up with Bayonetta that we know of. So, as a designer, Barry, if someone gave you such vague rules, did you think in a million years you would ever be able to come up with a design like this? Um, not me. I'm not that good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I don't like... think I ever would have thought of the glasses. I don't think I would have thought of the hair. Um, a lot of people said she looks like Sarah Palin. I wouldn't have done that because I hate Sarah Palin. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Now, do you mention either the glasses thing? Because I, is that an urban legend? That I, Sega I looked said, it up and I, and I yeah. didn't really see anything on it. So, and I was going to add it, but the rumor, I mean, people could uh, look this up when they have their own time, but the rumor is supposedly right. a Sega told them not to put glasses on characters because I'm, I'm assuming because they're hard to make on like 3D hardware maybe. Could be, yeah. But regardless of the, the why they did it, uh, Planet Games turned around and designed every character with glasses. So we're going to be talking <laughs> about right. – we're actually going to be t- talking about the characters because I feel like we shouldn't even talk about the story in, in uh, Bayonetta only because I don't want to spoil the ending for people mm. that never play the game. But because a lot of the story has to do with the characters that Bayonetta meets along the way. For so sure. it basically tells the story anyway. So let's talk about <clears> – <throat> so, uh, so I, I think some fans even said that the story is a little too fast. Like they try to get you into the action quickly, which I think the game does a good job of. But the first character we have is Bayonetta, obviously. Uh, in the right. world of Bayonetta, two peaceful forces have been at war called the Lumen Sages and the Umbra Witches. Each fraction shares a treasure known as the Eye of the World, uh, which is basically the left and right eye. Bayonetta wakes from her sleep without memories, holding on to the left eye of the world and starts her mission to figure out what, what happened, where she's from, and where the right eye is located. Going more, uh, going more into this would just spoil the game, so definitely... Uh, that's Bayonetta's story in the beginning of the game. That's what we know about her. Um, I mean, let's talk about the next character. We talked a lot about Bayonetta <laughs> already. Enzo is actually one of the first characters we meet in Bayonetta. Enzo is a undertaker and underground informant who befriends Bayonetta and wakes her from her 500-year nap. Is it 500 or 50? Something like that. Enzo is a greedy man that lusts for money and wealth and is into shady activities. He is so sleazy that when the creator, uh, his followers, uh, kill themselves, he uh, talks about how he's going to overcharge for the funerals. Um, he <laughs> sort of has a Joe Peschke vibe and uh, is always yeah. the butt of the joke, right? Is that what it, you reminded you of? He's very like Danny DeVito, Joe Pesci, like bumbling little fat guy who's an asshole. Um, the, yeah. He also, the, the game kicks off, and I don't know if we're going to get into this, but like he mentions Eggman dying. <laughs> I did, I, I did, I did, I put it in the notes. I have a whole Sega reference. There's so yeah. many references in this game that we could have done a whole episode on just the references. Cause... But it's just, it. but that that alone, like when you're you're going into this and you're like, oh man, it's like, it's Sega, but it's from this third party team. This guy looks like Joe Pesci. And then they start dropping Sega references because he's really the first Sega reference. He makes the first Sega reference in the game. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's funny. Wait, Eggman's dead? Wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? He it's also funny. made another one that we you might have missed, but you'll like it when, when we get to it. But uh, For sure. Let's talk about the next guy, the next guy uh, Rodin. Uh, he Wait. is known as the Infinite One. 
Uh, basically, Blade, you're right, right? That's what yeah. you're reminding you of. A multi-talented demon weapons dealer slash bartender and the owner of the Gates of Hell bar that allows Bayonetta to buy new weapons, abilities, costumes, and a lot more content. You'll find various portals throughout the game that lets you go back to Rodin's bar. So what is your opinion? I mean, do you have any opinion on this guy? I love this bar. I love the whole concept mm-hmm. of like, you know, growing up Catholic, the idea that like this game is kind of playing loosey-goosey with uh, ca- ca- uh, religion, you know, right. something that's kind of like blas- blasphemous when you go to these like ca- Catholic schools. It always gave me a cool, like, I like that. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not yeah, religious, no. so. I like him. I like his voice. I like his design. I like, you know, what he's there for. Um, he very much reminds me of a character either from the matrix or blade. Mm. Um, and you know, it's in his bar, which has a cool logo that Bayonetta is that, um, you always, don't you almost always get it when you like change weapons where she goes, "Eh," and she like kicks her leg up. She does a few things, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I like that. I like the bar because you get that cutscene. <laughs> the the that's my yeah same thing here yeah um yeah. let me uh let me see the next oh Jean who is uh mm-hmm. you know what I hate her I hate her the way her name is looked uh showing in the game because it's like when I was you know when I first played the game I'm like Gianni Gianni is like well no, Jean, it's like uh, French John 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 but uh. Uh, is introducing Bayonetta as a mysterious character that seems to get in the way of Bayonetta at first, but has a deeper story uh, and pass uh, and pass with our main character as we find out she's actually best friends when they were ch- ch- children. She's responsible for sealing her away. She plays the rival character in Bayonetta because she's been mentally reprogrammed. Think Knuckles mm-hmm. of Bayonetta. I mean, even the color, right? If you get yep. platinum in all chapters on normal, you will unlock the ability as, to play as her. And you can also have a code which you can look up if you want to cheat, you bastards. I'm not going to tell you guys. <laughs> uh, she's she's one of my uh, favorite characters. I thought her arc in the game really made me like her. And when the game was done, I was like, if they make a sequel where you play as her, I'm 100% in. I don't know about you, but... I am. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love her. Um, I mean, like I'm saying, I really wish they actually went into a spinoff starring her next instead of Bayonetta 2. Um, I like her arc. I like her design. Um, Again, going back to the the Sega references, even though it's not an overt reference, I like the idea of her being like the knuckles to Bayonetta. I immediately get that when they pair them up all the time. You get this like Sonic and Knuckles sort of thing with the two of them. Yeah. so, yeah, I, I guess that makes uh, Enzo Tales or something. But, um, no, I, I just, I absolutely love her, and I don't really care about the next character. <laughs> oh, my God, my favorite dude? This really? guy is, oh, yeah, okay. okay, I think he's supposed to be that annoying RPG member. Oh, my God, I don't know why the, the picture didn't show. Oh, here he is. Um, Luca is a human journalist and escape artist that is hunting down witches which he believed are cold-blooded killers responsible for his dad's death and wants to expose this Umbra underworld to the human world. Dude is nicknamed Shishir, is that how she says it? By Bayonetta, who flirts with him and teases him throughout the game. Luca isn't a fighter, but he does have a sick grappling hook and a great sense of timing and smell. Uh, (laughs) Luke obviously hates Bayonetta at first, but they obviously become like, 
I wouldn't say they're, they're lovers or anything, but they definitely become friends towards the end or at least work partners. And yeah. she just teases him because, you know, why not? Yeah. Uh, the next one is Cerisa. Cerisa? Cerisa. Yeah, the little girl. Uh, the little one, as uh, Bayonetta calls her, uh, is a child we meet early in Chapter 2 who claims and calls Bayonetta mommy. Uh, obviously, she's a sh- shy child that is scared easily and looks up to Bayonetta for protection. Uh, though she actually has an interesting reveal within the game. Uh, there's more about her whole character and her uh, reveal. It's more like, um, what do they say, fleshed out in the anime movie, mm-hmm. which is surprising because like, you would think the video game had more time to kind of you know establish this stuff. But there's a lot of characterizations that actually get more uh, play in the anime than they do in the game. And I, I read somewhere that like, they were they wanted to put this in the game. They just didn't have time. Some of the stuff in the anime, so they just left it for the anime. So definitely check it out. We'll talk a little bit about it later. But those are the main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- those are the main characters, and all these characters return for the sequel. So that's why I picked them. So you know, uh, which one's your favorite character? Which one's your least favorite character? And I think I know which one's the least. <laughs> so um, I think if you don't count Bayonetta, I think Jean. Is my favorite okay. and Luca. I don't hate Luca, but when he shows up, you know it's just going to be a cutscene with some, you know, like joking around, and that's it. You know, <laughs> it's he, he, it seems like with Rodin, you're going to get a cool weapon. With Enzo, it's like a setup to, you know, moving the plot along, something cool, something funny. But with with Luca, it's just like ah, oh, here he is again. Go away, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you I have to agree. Him. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, he doesn't really offer much i guess and he's always i liked him better in the first one i think his outfit in the sequel is terrible to be honest with you i don't know if mm. you've seen it he's basically a cowboy um they redesigned him from the ground up I, I i'm not that big of a fan on that uh let's talk about some of the gameplay i did not i did not go super into detail because if we talked about the gameplay of ben bayonetta we'd be here for another 30 minutes just going through the combos and all the stuff you could do because the game is amazing amazingly like complex right like mm-hmm. it, it, it's easy to play but when you start breaking down everything you can do it's ridiculous so the gameplay in bayonetta is linear with all, a lot of unlockables and replayability bayonetta is a very arcade style type gate action game where replaying and getting better scores is how the game is supposed to be enjoyed the ranking system in bayonetta will be considered hardcore today uh, for example, a hard game like Dark Souls, you get rewarded whenever you make mistakes and you die, you get like souls so you could like level up, come back and try again. Bayonetta is different. If you don't do everything perfect, you get punished and you get a terrible rank. You use items, you get a terrible rank. So <laughs> the idea is that you have to never get touched basically and uh, hit all your optimal combos and get these bad guys out of the screen as fast as possible, which is easier said than done. Your rank will go from a stone trophy all the way to platinum, depending on your skill level. And there's also hard, extra hard, blah, blah, blah. Bayonetta mm-hmm. has a pretty damn deep combo system attached to it. Uh, and the combinations are all depending on your weapons. So obviously we have no weapon combos. Then we have unique weapon combos. How many, uh, how many uh, unique weapons can you pick up in Bayonetta? Eleven. With uh, one of the weapons having two variations, 
Wow. Uh, I will say that the weapons are kind of like a gimp down combo system. They do different things, but it's like very simplified to like maybe three or four moves. So it's not like super complex like the original Bayonetta combo system, right? Just mm-hmm. letting it out. Um, I will say that the weapons do add, uh, yeah, well, they restrict combos, like I said. We also have gotten, uh, we, we, I didn't even go into the ground and air combos. So there's difference between those two. Yeah. So, Barry, did you explore how deep the combo system in Bayonetta is, or is that not something you're into? Because I feel like even if you don't enjoy and go deep into it and nerd out on the combos, you can still enjoy Bayonetta with the bread and butter. No, I I mean, I did what I could, but, you know, there's just, there's so much to the game. Um, On the surface level, though, it's just very easy to pick up and play without having to really focus on all that. But I, I would I would play around with different weapon combinations. I would experiment with the combo system. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a master at it. And to be honest with these types of games, um, once I find something I'm comfortable with, I kind of stick with it. I'm like that with Fantasy Star Online where I'm like, oh, I'm a ranger and I have a gun that goes, I'm going to do that forever now. You know, I'm not like, oh, let's experiment with this melee character and see how this works. Oh, it's better. No. Um so, but that's what I love about Bayonetta's. Um, it, it doesn't really, I mean, it punishes you, but it doesn't punish you if you don't experiment too much. Um, it kind of reminds me of Virtua Fighter, where on the surface it can be a very simplistic looking game, but there is a lot of depth to it. But um, it works either way. You can enjoy it either way. And I, I like those types of games. Um, another game I'd think of is Afterburner Climax. That actually reminds me a lot, <laughs> a lot of Bayonetta. Just in terms of um, combos and of slowing down time, things like that. Uh, so I love Afterburner uh, Climax too. And isn't there climaxing in this game too? So definitely climaxing in this <laughs> yeah. game. Uh, so let's look at some of the. I have a video up. Uh, if you're watching uh-huh. it on the video format, there's uh, just looking through some of the costumes. There's a lot of costumes in this game. So we, oh, I love we them. you could flip through them right there. Like the first one is called Umbron. Kamachi, which is like a Japanese like style dress, uh, and then each costume usually has like a different variant of the costume. So I'll go through some of these and tell you some of my favorites. So there's a PE uniform, <laughs> which it obviously is just a PE uniform. I, I, I was surprised this was a uniform, but I like some of the witch outfits. Like I'm surprised, like some of this stuff, like the D arc outfit is just jeans outfit, but in bayonetta colors. Yeah. And then we have um, the various ones. Okay, some of these are weird. Like they have a cheerleader one in the various ones where I'm like, that's okay. I want to. I mean, I would play as that one, but I really like this this old the old one with the the hood. I like from that the flashback. one too. Yeah. I really like the flashback look, and I like the the Umbra one, the young witches dress code one is whatever, but it's okay. There's the nun outfit for people that like nuns, I guess, and want to see Bayonetta be a nun. Um. This one, Queen. The Queen one is the best one. It's like a traditional witch. You know, the one, remember when you said they didn't have a hat? I love the idea of playing as a traditional witch. I like that they, that they added that because, I mean, we would complain yeah. if it wasn't there, right? So those yeah, are the outfits. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the sexy Halloween witch costume, basically. For sure. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, I think a lot of the costumes are like that, right? They're just sexy versions, kind of like a Halloween cosplay. So, uh, out of all these, which one's your favorite of the costumes? Obviously, mine's the queen one. 
uh, yours. I think it has the Queen one has a lot of stuff going on. I like that. So when you're doing all the action, it looks yeah, cool. I like old. I think that's a really mm. cool look. I kind of wish it was like maybe a main look in a later game. Um, I'll admit the cheerleader one's fun, and so is the like slumber party one. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the Jean one is kind of the weakest, just because it's just a recolor of her outfit. Nothing too mm. exciting. I think um, it's like reusing assets is pretty cool. I mean, I I get it as a developer, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, overall, I like them, and uh, there were Nintendo ones too, right on the. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say this right here. So they yeah. had a Princess Peach, Daisy. I didn't put them on the on the video, but they also had the Link outfit and a Samus one. Mm-hmm. And they have their own like combos, like the end with like some of these costumes have their own like little, like they add a little bit more to a combo or something. So it, it, they do right. it in Tekken too, where like if you get it back, you can hit them one more time in a combo. Yeah, there you go. Tell them, tell them. Yeah, um, yeah. Bayonetta is actually a rather long game. It has both a prologue and an epilogue, and it has 16 chapters squeezed in between these two. Um, you could later unlock a lost chapter, a secret boss, secret levels, and more content, which just makes you play the game more and more. Do you think the average gamer went through all the content hit, hit, uh, hidden behind skills and unlockables and enjoyed all the goodies, um, or do you think most people just played it in bronx the whole thing you know barely got through and then they're like i'm good um i mean speaking for myself i played the game through to the end unlocked some stuff but i didn't do completionist i didn't get um i don't think i did the code to get gene i think Mm. um but you know i i did not a hundred percent it but i played i would say given my history with like completing video games it's pretty impressive that i completed bayonetta and um and i also think it's impressive too that i think i don't know if before this or after this i completed devil may cry which is like a pretty big deal because it's not a game i would seek out um mm. i don't know why i did but something about it just i really enjoyed it and i kept playing it through to the end and i think when bayonetta was coming out i think i was i remembered devil may cry and i was like oh yeah i could definitely play through this game so um Yeah, I mean, but that's what I love about this game is I could go back and I think I will go back after we talk about it and play it some more. Maybe check out my old save file or, you know, like boot up, you know, the new one. I've never, I don't think I've ever put this disc in. So we'll see. And I think also um, Xbox One, you can play Bayonetta on it. I don't know how Mm -hmm. it compares to this version. So I've got my pick, (laughs) you know. The new versions are excellent and i i put that in the thing like if you have a 4k console your xbox and you get the xbox one version slick 4k 60 frames per second can't go back right um Mm -hmm. the music of bayonetta was written by x clover studios x capcom planning games found team member found founding team member hiroshi yamaguchi who wrote Mm -hmm. uh okami soundtrack previously um, thankfully, Hiroshi did a blog, plo- blog post on the Planning Games uh, site uh, before the game came out where he talked about what he was trying to accomplish with the game. He was still saying he was working on it, but this is what he said. He said, a soundtrack, <clears throat> a soundtrack that could only work in a game like uh, Bayonetta, a unique. 
Nice and upbeat tempo, express what femininity is with beautiful instruments like pianos, electric pianos, organs, vibraphones, flutes, double bass, and female chorus. Uh, mm. What are your thoughts? When you first heard the Bayonetta soundtrack, what was your thoughts? And do you think he's captured all that that he was trying to capture? Yeah, absolutely. It was a very unique um, sound. I can't really put it into words, but it was like catchy, poppy, electronic, but like cool and stylish. I guess you'd maybe reveal a a new like sports car (laughs) to Mm. this music or something. It was just, it was not like sugary pop. It was more like sexy, um, badass action pop, but with like a little bit of a, like a smirk to it. It wasn't, it wasn't all doom and gloom matrixy kind of stuff. Um, and I think, Bringing in female voices, I think bringing in classic Frank Sinatra music really made it its own and also kept it from going to those like darker places. Not to say that the game doesn't have some dark music and some, you know, like obvious oh, it, like end of the yeah. world boss music, which seems to be half the soundtrack. But like the mere fact that the game has ends with them dancing to the theme song shows that you know they're they're not taking it too seriously and it honestly it, it the closest i can think is like space channel 5 you know mm. where it's just it's fun it's swinging uh they're not afraid to show the characters dancing to the music um mm. but not in a like quirky mario uh mario wii game sort of way where like oh look the turtles go pop Yeah, the the closest thing that I also (laughs) thought about was Space Channel 5, where they like kind of created this like trying to be, you know, futuristic music for space or whatever. Um, They kind of fit the game design. Yeah. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. I could only see Space Channel's music in Space Channel 5 kind of thing, you know? And it's like Bayonetta music in any game would not work. Like there's something like even that you said there's even like these like heavier tracks. They, they're heavy, yeah, but they also feel like they're, like, dipped in sugar, you know? Like, <laughs> they dipped... Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I think it plays really well to Bayonetta's um, character, um, which I, we've discussed her, her design and everything, but really she's, like, she's the not man. really worried most of the time. Mm. She's she's very upbeat. She thinks she's... She doesn't just think she's going to win. She knows she's going to win, and she owns... Uh, not only owns that, but she owns her sexuality, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to prove yourself to her. She doesn't need to prove herself to you and never in the game does that ever happen. So it's like, she's untouchable, um, not only in, you know, in romance, but also in, in fighting. So it's just like when, when the character has that personality and then it kind of carries over to the music, it makes the player feel more empowered and less afraid to go after these crazy enemies because I've played games where they're like, Oh, well, what is that? And then like a giant demon comes in and it's like end of the world music. And you're like, Oh, I'm fucked. But then you play Bayonetta and, sh- and like giant demon appears and it's still kind of happy music. And she's like, all right, let's do this. And you're like, Oh, I could do this. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what keeps me coming back to the game and play the playing the game all the way through. It's never where I'm like, I stopped playing once that that huge boss came and all the characters started shitting their pants. You know, like <laughs> it's 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 just interesting how much of an impact music can have on a game, and and no other game I think really displays that than Bayonetta. I 
have to agree. And I was going to yes. say, talking about the, the soundtrack, I was going to say, there's a full uncut five disc CD set you could buy. I and want this has that. I want that. Every, yeah, this has every single track. But the soundtrack's also on Spotify and iTunes. But it's missing uh, two remixes of Fly Me to the Moon. I guess copyright reasons. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. And also, the game uses Fly Me to the Moon by artist Brenda Lee in the credits. A lot of people thought it was the Frank Sinatra version. It's not. So just letting right. people know that. Um, I, Frank Sinatra did cover this song. and I'm assuming that uh, it's the most famous version of the song. I'm not 200 on that. I'm not an uh, expert in Frank, Frank Sinatra. I wasn't born in the 50s, sadly. Oh, shit. I'm not song. buying the CD. It's selling for $900. Sorry. That, Dude, I'm telling you everything. Like I, I was just telling Barry before this, the premium, the premium uh, guide for uh, Bayonetta. I looked it up and it was like four hundred dollars, and I'm like, I'm glad I have it, but it's kind of dumb that it's that much for pieces of paper. But whatever. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to "Fly Me to the Moon." A few seconds of it. Get that copyright strike on this video real quick. Uh, a few seconds. <laughs> Even though you're supposed to allow ten seconds, they they always flag us anyway. You know. I'll start it like. Yeah. A minute and 30 seconds in the song. All right. So Love that's it. a little bit of the preview of uh, Fly Me to the Moon, which is the climax version of the song. Obviously, an iconic song for the franchise. I think. I would say that's probably the most popular song, right? Uh, for mm-hmm. the yeah, because I think everyone you know sees it that way. Let let me uh, play a little bit. This one is for the Sega fans out there. This is the Afterburner Climax mix from the game, which mm-hmm. is pretty slick. I'll, I'll start like in two minutes in because I think it doesn't get into the main riff until li- pretty yeah. Mm-hmm. This track always reminded me of Mega Man. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. So we had an Afterburner track, and of course, like, I mean, mm. let's be honest, you guys all know us, right? The next one had to be another Sega. Uh, I just really love the way they made their own version of Sega tracks, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I wish. For sure. Like these tracks are ridiculously good, like the originals. Like, and then you listen to them and you're like, I've never heard them this way before. It's sick. I like it. That's what that was my favorite part of the game. I was just like nerding out so hard with the music. This space area. Oh my god, so good! It, I will say though, it's a little disappointing mm. that they, they they didn't just do the whole album Sega remixes. <laughs> I wish, yeah, or right. the or the sequel had a lot more, but whatever. Let's. Uh, what are your thoughts on these three covers? Because all three are not original compositions. Yeah, and uh, did the game do a good job of making them their own? Absolutely. I mean, I just I loved. It was a real fun surprise as a Sega fan to have these thrown at you. Um, and, you know, I have to wonder how many people actually caught on to these being like huge Sega references, 
Because let's be honest, like, you know, 2009, 2010, uh, some teenager playing Bayonetta because they like Devil May Cry. Are they really going to hear Space Harrier Afterburner and go, oh, that's that uh, 80s arcade game. Nice. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's clear that it was Kamiya just like throwing in his favorite games and he and didn't really it, give a shit what, what anyone else thought. Per, yeah, yeah so. you pretty much got it. I mean, he even did, I, you saw me post it on the, on the, on the thing. He did mm-hmm. a, you did a top five of all the stuff he hates about the Switch and the, one of them was be, Sega Ages doesn't let you have cockpit view like in the arcades, the, the titles and it's like, <laughs> Bro, really? This is this is the this is the most important updates that the Switch can have, right? It's like he's still talking right. about old Sega right. games. That's just complete because that's yeah. all he's doing on those things. He's playing Afterburner and shit. So um, absolutely. Um, one uh, one thing I will give. Oh, we're going. We're out. We're we're done with music. Go back, music. Music sucks. Nobody plays instruments. Blah blah blah. Uh, one thing I will give credit Sega credit for with Bayonetta was its promotional run. Uh, mm-hmm. They did. Both in America and even bigger in Japan, they tried some clever ways of getting eyeballs to potential buyers. Uh, let's start off with some of the print ads we got here. Uh, I kind of screwed up the pictures, so one of them is like behind here. Let me see. There's mm-hmm. this one where there's is Bayonetta's upside down. It, there's a two versions of this ad. There's one where it's just half a page, and then there's one yeah. with a full page, right? And uh, this is a cool ad. It has her in an action pose with two guns, which is obviously uh, the guns are the most important thing with Bayonetta, I've noticed, in marketing. Showing her shooting uh, is a big thing. Um, Screenshots look fine. Uh, It's a cool ad. It's too white, in my opinion. But then there's this other one uh, where this one says, being bad never felt so good. Let me see. (laughs) Is that the, yeah? It's this one. You know what? And I only have the I only have a scan of it because someone's trying to sell this ad. By the way, like that's hilarious. Remember those? I'm si- sure I have like those yeah. eBayers. You know, they sell you ads for <laughs> magazines now. Like, can you believe it? Being a kid, seeing all those ads that you used to like seeing and thinking that someone was going to be selling this shit. It's like stupid. All right. So these ads are fine. They're cool. And then there's this this other one right here that's in Spanish. Which basically, let me open it up so I can actually read it because I can't read it. Um, okay, it says, it says, um, being this bad never felt so good in Spanish, which is, ser mala nunca estuvo tan bien. Wow. For all the, all the Mexican, uh, watchers or Spanish. What's, what's ya a la venta? Uh, that means it's on sale now. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, is he speaking Spanish? It's easy, Barry. You got it. Anyway, and, and then we have, so we got an, the, I think the most interesting aspect of the promotion actually came from this subway ads that sega japan did there's a blog post in platinum games is uh, blog where they kind of talk talk up about this event they did basically it was covered everywhere all of japan even in huge buildings uh had bayonetta and then yeah. they did a very unique way of promoting the game where there was a bayonetta pose where she was it kind of looked sexy and there was post-it mm-hmm. notes. And on the post-it notes, there was kissing, little kisses on it. And the people passing by are supposed to take the post-it notes, and it slowly reveals Bayonetta's body, right? Um, right. This promotion actually got a lot of feminist people mad. Um, one of the people was Feminist Frequency, who called this uh, showing kids in Japan how to be uh, misogynist against women by saying they, they're just objects that you take, you could, you know, strip. 
I think she's uh, taking it a little bit too far. I think that I think that the ad is trying to sell the sexiness of the game. Like this is forbidden. This is like and how sexy is taboo in Japan and the idea that mm-hmm. it's an interactive ad where you take something away and you have something to keep to remember about the game. A post-it note with a kissy fa- kissy on kiss thing on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I understand other people's perspectives of this would be like, it's sexist, but uh, would they complain if it was Dante shirtless and we slowly start ripping off post-it notes? I don't know. No. But um, regardless, I thought this was a cool advertisement in the sense of activity, you know, like playing with the mind, you know, like taking something <laughs> away. You know, you get something from this ad and you get to keep it and you get to remember that there's a game called Bayonetta, right? Right, yeah, and it's also interesting too where people pulled them off. Obviously, people wanted to see the breasts and the ass. <laughs> yeah, and, right away. And they kind of stopped. There's one I love. It's uh the one where she's leaning back, and it looks like someone took one and then left it again. They like tucked it in they're like, oh, to it's one of them. Much. They're like, they're like, eh, no, I don't want this. Um, but it's also kind of Bayonetta being the tease that she is because she's like, oh, you thought you were gonna see my breasts? No, it's just my hair covering them. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) And I think if we start saying that, like, things like this make kids uh, sexist or they can't tell the difference between, you know, reality and video games, we're getting to a slippery slope where we're like, well, isn't violence also the same thing? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Right, absolutely. And can I just bring this up real quick, too? Because since I think we're leaving the Japanese ads here. Go for it. uh, uh, This is just the Famitsu cover for Bayonetta. Um, And then here's the ad on the back. So. Describe the ad. It's um, well, from people listening guns. to our audio podcast, on the front it's got Bayonetta with her arm around the Famitsu mascot, that little like cat guy, and he's sweating. He's very uh, nervous. And then on the back is Bayonetta um, on on a white background, just kind of doing her leg kick. You, it's also the same as the subway ads they did. Uh, it's not the actress, but it's definitely something they threw up there. And I, I bought this, I think, when I went to New York. And I went to this Japanese um, bookstore, and they just happened. This happened just to be the issue that was out at the time. And I don't even know if I knew of Bayonetta because this would have been like mid two thousand nine. So this must have been my first experience seeing and, and learning about Bayonetta. I'm trying to see when this released, but yeah, uh, to uh, November two thousand nine. So yeah, probably when I when I learned about Bayonetta. That's exciting. So. so. Okay. That's it. Sega. Oh, I mean, I'm just going to give you a round of applause, but then I was like, I have to clap. Ugh. Sega and Playboy <laughs> magazine also teamed up for a New Year's Eve contest party in Chicago, oh, yeah. Illinois. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Chicago. It's a little it's a little city somewhere. Yeah, I didn't live there at this time, unfortunately. At the time. The contest was supposed oh. to be that Sega would send a couple of super fans to the promotional party. And maybe get lucky with some of the bunny, the the bunnies there. I'm sure. I'm sure, right? Uh, Absolutely. But someone, uh, uh, I, I actually talked to some journalists and they got invited. I'm, I was trying to remember if I got invited. Regardless, I wouldn't be able to travel at the time to Chicago. So it, it wouldn't have happened. I'm pretty sure it didn't happen. Because if not, I would be bragging about it all the time. So right. let's look at some of the photos of the event. It was on the Sega of America's Flickr page. Remember when they used to upload on Flickr? So, yeah, (laughs) hey, I would say at least we got really high resolution photos because that's uh, true. 
some of these blogs have like really low resolution photos. So the first picture is this guy. I don't know who this guy is, but he's chilling with two ladies in the bed, which already gives me a weird vibe because maybe he's the winner of the contest. Maybe. Um, and then we have uh, a girl playing Bayonetta. I guess they're setting up the machine. There's a few other pictures of girls with a guy playing uh, Bayonetta. But the event was that mm-hmm. you would sit with two girls and play the game, and they would basically sell you on the game, I guess. And then here we have all the playmates standing. One of them has a Bayonetta tattoo on her arm. Do you see it? Obviously a mm-hmm. fake tattoo. Um, right. Nothing's too special about it. What do you think? I mean, I don't want to judge, I don't want to judge the women. I mean, they're beautiful women. No, I mean, obviously. But, like, hey, I don't know. This know, whole – this whole, they're all done up and stuff. It's like – I don't know, like, do you think this was a big event over there at the Playboy Mansion? Or is that what the Playboy Mansion is, like promotional events? Well, so this was um, a New Year's Eve contest in Chicago. I mean, I, the Playboy Mansion's in L.A., but the Playboy offices, uh, the publication offices were in Chicago. Um, so and not they as had big party. A, not as big. No, they, they used to have a lot more office space. They used to have a... Um, uh, location that actually had like a party pool so you could swim Ooh. around and there were little islands where you could put your drinks and hang out and when they sold that building they actually sold it to um, the school I went to um, <laughs> unfortunately the school I went to didn't own it by the time I went there but apparently Damn. students could go and like party in the Playboy pool which would have been awesome but um, no but Sega actually they had a history with Bayonetta and um playboy because you know the sequel actually yeah, had a playboy that, no, 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 no you can't talk about that no yeah i, I was oh, gonna okay. say that in the end you could say it bayonetta 2 oh, no, was such, just, a, it was such had, a good promotion had a playboy promotion yeah. too yeah 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 pretty much yeah that's all i was gonna say yeah i mean it was such a good promotion i guess and nintendo also did it that's what i put in the end but uh let's look at the next <laughs> the next picture i have you'll love this one this is Julian back then in in the olden days. Now he's mm-hmm. he used to be a community manager at Sega, and he's one of the reasons the site had so much content at the beginning because he would help us out on getting stuff ready, review copies. So this guy's he's the man for sure. Here he is enjoying, and this he's time still the him. man. He's still the man. He has a beard now, but he's still the man. He works. The uh, he's the senior manager of social media for WB Games out of San Francisco. Well, and before pretty- that, he was the community he was the community manager for Oculus. Still so the this man. This dude is like, yeah, he's still the man. And he's and a the, Facebook friend with me. And yeah, and he also invited me one time a long time ago to Sega, and it was cool t- chatting with him and uh, learning too. about his history with Dreamcast and all that. The Dreamcast is what yeah. made him work at Sega, but let's, um, let's talk about some of the advertisement campaigns. Uh, these are the videos. This one's the one you like In for the Kill, oh, the one you talked about. Yes, yes. So. Yes. Let's give it a watch. I'll press play. Do you have it ready? Yeah, I got it ready. <gasps> oh, the old Sega logo. Sega. Sega. Yeah. Okay, I love so, it. One of the sickest ads that Bayonet has ever had, in my opinion. They should have been playing this every single time a TV turned on, in my opinion, because that kind of sold me on the game. I mean, the hype for it for sure. Um, in Japan, though, they had two different commercials: one for the 360, 
and one for the PS3 mm-hmm. since the PS3 version came out later. Um, let's first look at the 360 version, which I think is superior to the PS3 version of the ad. Um, it's uh, basically a woman uh, getting influenced to be like Bayonetta, I guess. So let's uh, watch it. One, two, I mean, you can play it whenever you want. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You that you like her sexy pose she did? Is That's that what how, I was doing at the beginning. Is is that is that how you uh, play uh, Bayonetta when you play? You're like, oh, I, could, I could be like her. Well, it's woman. very unrealistic ad to be honest because I don't think Japanese people own. Houses? Xbox consoles. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, was, I was going to say they don't own houses that big to do. <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, let's look at the PS3 version of the ad, which is more generic in my opinion. It doesn't have the comedy value that the 361 had. Um, I'll play it now. Oh. Has more gameplay. The model that plays Bayonetta for the first game was really good, the Japanese one. Yeah, it's interesting. They had a live-action model that they used in some of the promotional stuff. Um, Definitely not on... (laughs) Definitely better than the woman they chose for the photo shoot uh, for Bayonetta 2's Playboy. (laughs) Just because she had short legs, you know? Like, no woman has legs like Bayonetta, obviously. But they could have found someone with a little longer legs. Let's look at Playboy. She's definitely, like, I would say she's, like, not realistic proportions, kind of like He-Man isn't a realistic proportion of a human, you know? like Right. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I was never like, man, one day I'm going to look just like like He-Man or anything like that. So, I don't know. Like, you shouldn't want to look like Bayonetta for sure. (laughs) I mean, she's definitely, like, misproportioned. Right. Um, Right. Let's talk about the critics, right? This is something that we always talk about when we talk about these games, and no, not surprisingly, Bayonetta achieved a certified badass 90% Metacritic rating, which is pretty impressive for a debut of a new action franchise title and one of the first titles by the newly developed Planet Game Studios. Especially when you consider they cranked out four games so quickly. But who dragged down the score? Let's look. The biggest site was AV Club. Everything else was like sites I never heard of. Do you want to talk? You want to read their uh, badass little review summary right here? Oh boy, I guess so. Um, It's tough to assess a game that swings so wildly between two poles. It is more focused, in its more focused portions, Bayonetta is kinetic bliss that makes hand-to-hand violence into an act of love. But too often the game devolves into its button-mashing, raunchy norm, adopting a puerile sensibility that is making Japan a less relevant voice in a slowly maturing medium. Oh, shut the fuck up, AV Club. I hate that. So, uh, (laughs) during the release of Bayonetta, one of the biggest moves in games was more Japanese studios trying to make Western-type games or games that appeal to mainstream American gamers. Do you think AV Club was right about the less relevant voice and slowly maturing medium, which... I don't know. In my in my opinion on this is I think they were wrong because I think Japanese games lately in the last five years have made a comeback with, you know, even before that with Dark Souls, I think that kind of opened the door that you could make a hard game and people will suffer and learn the combat and enjoy it. So 
I think mm. they were wrong during uh, during all this. I don't and, I, and when they say slowly maturing medium, I think they mean like these movie games where they're like mm-hmm. like Uncharted. Right. This is where I I just I disagree with them because like we went through that list again of those 2008 games, and I think in their mind those are like the slowly maturing medium. Maybe like you mentioned, you know, like those more narrative driven ones like Uncharted. Uh, I don't know. Last of Us wasn't out then, but you know, like that sort of direction. And it's just these these snobs who are like, oh, I work for AV Club. I write about movies and film. Oh, I have to review a video game. Let's look at it. Ugh. Oh. Oof. Look oh. at this. Such puerile Ooh. sensibility. It's making Japan a less relevant voice in a slowly maturing medium. Bayonetta's not for you then. Like, get out of here. This is a game that's directly targeting people who love video games with, like, capital V, capital G. You know what I'm talking about? This 100%. thing's not here to like, to not like pull at your heartstrings and make you think and make you question and 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 all that shit. Like it's just there to be fun, badass. It's unapologetic. It's like you know, like how um, I don't know, like how Tex Avery is for cartoons. You know, where it's just like pure mayhem. You know, it's just like that's what Bayonetta kind of is. It's it's not afraid to just be a video game, and I love it for that. So whatever. Couldn't say it better myself. Still deserves the ninety. <laughs> deserves the ninety five. I think if people went back, they would have rated higher. I think I would have rated higher than my first impressions. You know, because like I played well, it la- this last re release earlier the last yeah. year, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. I was surprised at how modern it still felt ten years later. So you gave it a B plus. I would have given it an A now for sure. I don't know why. And then on on Sega Bits, we actually. I looked, we had a community review, but it was from Sega Uranus, who's was kind of a writer, right? He was a writer. At the writer. time, he was, he was a contributor for sure, yeah. Right, yeah, and he gave it an A. So thankfully, we are on the right side of history. And I said, uh, in the comments, I said, obviously I own the game, but had I not owned it, this review would have sold me on it. Good job. Oh, so, what a nice guy. Yeah. This Barry is. Yeah, so yeah. usually with Japanese developers, they usually respect each other and don't talk trash about each other. Uh, but I guess you don't usually. know. Yeah, I guess you don't know the Ninja Gaiden and uh, or is it Gaiden? Uh, and then a, or a live creator. I can't even say his first name. Tomonobu Itigaki. 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 Yeah. Isn't isn't everyone? He is notorious for mocking other games, including Tekken, uh, and said Virtual Fighter was better. I remember this when he, they when they when they asked him his top five worst uh, fighting games, he put Tekken five times on the list. Uh, <laughs> during during the during the time of release, Itigaki. Oh my god, I hate saying his name was having legal disputes with Tecmo, his old employer, which caused him to be fired. And then he founded his own studio in 2008 called Valhalla Valhalla Games. During E3 2008, he was asked about his opinion on Planum Games' Bayonetta, which which he said smugly. If I made a similar game as a game I made by a company I quit, uh, I quit, people would say, what an idiot. Can he make anything else? Well, that is more or less the opinion I have for uh, that Bayo something game. Uh, covered in hair, is she? I don't know, Mr. Kamiya. Must have a, a lot going through his head. Well, in any case, I would uh, first recommend laser eye surgery. I'm, not, I'm sure he's not that strapped for cash, right? 
So he's basically making fun of Kamiya for being bald. And then he's making fun of his game saying it's the same thing as Bayonetta and that it's embarrassing and he's washed up, basically. And poor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess Kamiya didn't really talk about this. He just continued making games. And oddly enough, since this was 2008, he was there to uh, promote a game called Devil's Third uh, that never got released until 2015. Uh, as for him, as a person, he hasn't directed a game since Devil's Third, which took forever. His studio has a smaller studio that made Samurai Jack Battle Through Time that came out this year for Adult Swim. And he was mm-hmm. just listed as Supreme Advisor, not a director. So he's basically kind of been out of video games ever since this remark. Um, did you remember the drama this cost uh, during the release of Bayonetta? What is your opinion on Itigagi's more rock style? Or they call it Frank interviewing. They call me the Frank person. Right. Are you surprised he's been out of the limelight for almost twelve years after these comments? Obviously, it's because of this. <laughs> well, I don't right? know if the, I don't know if this comment killed his career, no. but he definitely shows that he's a difficult person. And I can't imagine him like sitting down. Like if you're going to start your own studio, you're going to need major publishers. And I can't imagine him sitting down with Nintendo or Sega or anyone like that, and them going, "Yeah, we like you." No, he probably says the wrong thing, and they're like, "Get the hell out of here." Um, plus, he never really proved himself with his studio. Uh, unlike Platinum Games, where they they had you know some pretty good games out of the gate, whereas this guy's like, oh, I'm making Devil's Third. Screw you, Bayo, whatever. And I always hate when people do that. Like they know the name of it, but they they pretend not to know the name of it just to you know be insulting. The um, bury the people... whatever. Well, I've had people do that to me, where they're like, <laughs> "Who's who's this guy insulting me? I don't even know him." And I'm like, "We've we've talked on message boards for years. You do know me. Shut up." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I used to like him. I thought Ninja Gaiden or Gaiden Two was a great game. It blew my mind because mm-hmm. of the over the top violence. I definitely think it's aged kind of badly because it runs like at twelve frames per second randomly d- throughout the game, and it, it, the combo system is not as good in, as Bayonetta. Um, I think he was just jealous at the time. Also, he says that uh, doing the same type of game as a company that I left. He didn't leave the company. He was fired from Tecmo. Another lie from him. So he, there's this like weird like he's lying. It's like he's trying to make himself look better in this interview than he really is, in my opinion. Yeah, sounds like a I, liar. I, I hope he, he he comes. You know, he rises to his feet and he makes a good game uh, in the future because I actually do like his games. But until then, I, I can't really respect him for saying this. Obviously. So, let's talk about the game's legacy, which is an important thing. Bayonetta has become a staple for uh, Platinum Games, and it's not its not the only game they've... Uh, it's Well, it's had the most media attention and the most ports throughout the years. Uh, right. Bay- Bayonetta was made from the ground up on the Xbox 360, and it's considered the best version of the game at the time. The PS3 version at the time caused a lot of stir-up uh, since it was being handled in-house at Sega. The final product, uh, the final product on the PS3 actually runs at half the frames of the PS, uh, the 360 version, and even lower than 30 Shame. frames per second. So uh, this is what the, uh, Inaba, the producer at Platinum Games, had to say about that version. He said, "At the time, we didn't know how we didn't know how to develop on PS3." all that well and whether we could have done it is irrelevant we made a decision that we couldn't 
But looking back on the result and especially what ended up being released to users, I regard this as our biggest failure. One thing I will say is that it wasn't a failure for nothing. We learned that we needed to take responsibility for everything. So on Vanquish, we developed both versions in-house. We learned. So it wasn't a pointless failure, but it was a failure nonetheless. Mm. Uh, now, And I will say Vanquish on the PS3 and 360 run great both um they're really really like you could probably say one version is better than the other but it's so minuscule that you can't even tell um right uh i would say though if you're buying uh, any version of bayonetta you'll probably get a great experience just not the ps3 version just get away from that right um, right if you want the most content which is a few costumes like i said we talked about before the peaches uh, princess peach daisy link and metroid one get the wii u and switch ports if you want, in my opinion, the definitive uh, graphical versions of the games, I would play them on PC, Xbox One, or PS4 Pro, or whatever, you know, the, the 4K versions. Right. 4K, 60 frames per second can go back. I think even the Nintendo ones have a few frame drops. Not big, but they do. Um, how do you recommend uh, our listeners play the game? Uh, more content on the Nintendo or higher resolution and frame rates on PC slash modern console consoles consoles consoles. I would recommend the recent 10th anniversary bundle because you get Vanquish with it, which is a honestly surprising re-release at the time because that's such like an underappreciated game. Oh yeah. Um, to be honest, this like arrived in the mail and I just put it on my shelf. I have not paid much attention to it. I just did the review I, of it, so I had you to did play the review, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it it just kind of came and went. Um, the only real big deal was the uh, you know the cool artwork that they used. But it, like you mentioned in your review, there's nothing like new or special with it. Really, um, there's no unique uh uh bonuses except for you know like the the cool packaging the art is the sickest part of it (laughs) the art is the sickest part of it so um this one for sure uh it was on xbox as well i believe Mm, um yep xbox one maybe not xbox one yeah 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 and then if you own and and the big question i have i'm not sure maybe people can sound off in the comments but if you have xbox 360 bayonetta it is backwards compatible on the xbox one I'm wondering how good it is, and I'm wondering if it's basically the HD remastered version or if it's like a different version. Uh, that would I don't be, know. I'll I have to check it out. I don't have an Xbox. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but this one's good. I, the Wii U one, it's it's fine. I it's mean, it's right. nice to get it on a, a disc. Um, you... I went out and actually I bought this when they were used, but going up in price, I got it for forty seven ninety five. Nice. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's you day one. It's expensive. I yeah. bought it in uh, 2015. So, did you ever buy the? Re- oh, you don't have a Switch, huh? Never mind. Well, I, that, that's I the- do buy Switch games, even if I don't own a Switch. But I didn't get the Bayonetta two. Did that come on a disc or was it downloadable? Only? Okay, so here's my issue: why why I didn't buy it? Because oh, here we go. I'm kind of a physical kind of guy, right? I want everything physical, and in the U.S. version, only two. Is on the on the cart, while oh, that's um, dumb. It, one is digital download version of it, and the only way to get number one on a cart in in a, uh, on the Switch is to get the Japanese special edition, which is already like three hundred dollars or two hundred and fifty dollars if you want to import it. 
which makes me mad because I had my import go my my import pre order for it, and I don't know how Amazon Japan used to work, but they canceled my pre order because of my my budget on my uh, account, and so I never got it. And then the price went up right away; like it became rare right away. So I could I I, I was almost gonna get it for like 110, 115. Now it's over 250, so I haven't bought it yet. I really, really, really want the it on physical cartridge. I have a pretty big Switch collection going to physical, so it, it bothers yeah. me. So that's why I haven't. But um, Sega also uh, released an adaption of the game as an anime movie produced by Gonzo Animation Studio. The movie does follow uh, most of the major plot points of the game, but it's adapted differently and in different order. Also, the angels are called ghosts and some other stuff. Like, there's more characterization, like I talked about. The English mm. dub also has the main cast reprising their roles, the English dub. Um, have you seen Bayonetta Bloody Fate? What are your thoughts? I have not seen it. I keep meaning to buy it. And last I checked, it's like $13 <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to probably buy it uh, this weekend or something. Um, mm. cause it looks cool. I, I, I remember it kind of gives me memories of Gungrave. Remember that where it had like oh, a yeah. cool anime and, and a game to go with it. Um, Definitely so remember that, that's that. cool. I like that. I like that. So I guess the most important thing for a lot of fans, now I guess not really that important for most fans. I don't really play Smash Brothers, but mm. I think one of the reasons Bayonetta uh, blew up uh, in the last five years was because of her inclusion in the massively popular Super Smash Brothers 4 slash Ultimate where she not only got her Bayonetta 2 look but also her Bayonetta 1 design as well. The character was reproportioned, meaning less tall, less curvy, less booby. Uh, and she made her Smash debut on February 3rd, 2016. And we have a image on the thing right here of her Smash look. She kind of looks mm -hmm. like a, a little more chibi, a little more cute, a less long-faced, you know? Right. And she's got her amiibo here. You can see it on that, too. Yeah. Um, and like They released her, Player 1 and Player 2 amiibos, which is pretty sweet. Like, they also made her, like, more, like, proportion to a, more of a... Per, like, her boobs and butt aren't as big as they were on the original. And her waist you is a little, it. like... Her waist is a little more, like, thick instead of being super real thin, you know? So mm. that's kind of the only thing I noticed. I, I I really like her Smash look. I think it's a cool little redesign to give to fit the you know the franchise. All right, let's talk about Sega cameos. Bayonetta yes. has a ton of cameos and callbacks within the game. We could literally do a full two hour podcast on all the references to movies, TV, books, and even video games. But we will quickly go through some of the Sega references. Maybe we missed some, so let us know in the comments if we did. Chapter 8 obviously includes a motorcycle minigame with a Afterburner remix. Motorcycle, a hanging on reference, obviously, Afterburner remix. Trophy slash achievement called Fire, the Afterburners. Mm -hmm. uh, unlockable technique, Afterburner kick. So they really like Afterburner. Typeface for the missile operations instructions in Chapter 14 has the same Afterburner typeface used on the title cards. Again, more Afterburner. Enzo says he owes Alex the Kid for a charting plane. Obviously, Alex Kid. Bayonetta uses a hang-on typeface in Chapter 8's motorcycle instruction. So, another uh, a hang-on reference. 
mm-hmm. the start of chapter 14, Bayonetta says, Welcome to my fantasy zone. Of course, <laughs> we know what that is. Two reoccurring enemies, Grace and Glory, are named after the track that plays at the end of Jetson Radio and Future. Accessory Infernal Com- Communicator is a reference to J- GSR's Rudy's use of the wristwatch radios to catch tunes on, J- on the Jetson Radio pirate uh, broadcast. The start of Chapter 8 plays a remix of Splash Waves from Outrun and on the radio, I think, or was that the one, or is this the other one? Mm, I think it is. I, I think it also plays on in the beginning of 2, I'm not sure. You the might pro, be right. The pro, I know, this is the one that might be from 2. In the prologue cutscene where Bayonetta and Enzo drive down the highway, magical sound shower is heard looping on the radio. And is, isn't that from 2, though? They, on the thing I got it from, it said Bayonetta 1, but I remember in the first prologue cutscene, you guys are in the graveyard, not in the Sounds highway. familiar. Right, right. Yeah, anyway. The Umbran Witches and Lumen Sages use elemental-type powers. One is called Photons, which if you play PSO, you know what's up. Enzo mentions Eggman, uh, which you, you referenced before. The Halos Bayonetta picks up look a lot like Sonic's Rings. This one right here, I think, is Sonic fans stretching it, but maybe maybe it's true. Um, yellow Moon Lollipops make... Uh, Gene and Bayonetta uh, invisible and glow yellow. A reference to Supersonic? I don't, I maybe. Look, maybe, but I think it's like, it could also be Super Saiyans or whatever. Bayonetta's right. second game color is blue to reference Sonic. Chapter 14's first mini game plays like Space Harrier, complete with its own remix. And those are all yeah. the references. So what is your what's your favorite reference, I guess? They made you go. Yeah, these guys mm. got it. Because mine was the motorcycle <laughs> stage. I was like, you guys... Did a whole chapter just to like play yeah. tribute to a Sega arcade game that I like. Oh, I, I think any of the ones that are straight up like Sega arcade games realized in 3D are the coolest. Um, you know, I always I always thought it was funny that she killed Eggman. Um, and then I also, it wasn't mentioned here because it's not in the game, but on the Xbox 360, you could download a theme, which I had as my main theme for like ever. And there were... Um, uh, Monster World and um, Virtua Fighter screen. So it was Bayonetta, but as Virtua Fighter. Oh, that's sick. I didn't know that. And then Wonder Boy as as Bayonetta there. So these, they're not animated. They're just still frames and they're like the backgrounds of your like sub menus. But it's just mm. so cool. And um, I, I don't know if you, you said you don't have this book, right? No, but, I don't um, have that book. It's just, it's great because it's just got all of that art. It's got all of like the incidental art, all the little, all the ads are in it, you know, talking about the ads. So, um, yeah, if you have 300 bucks, definitely, this is expensive too. Um, yeah, it's an books, awesome art book. These, these like Bayonetta books got super expensive. I'm assuming that, I mean, all the Yakuza stuff we got is probably going to be the same, right? Oh, I love it. For sure. Your little Bayonetta shrine. <laughs> Bayonetta, and I I love this too. Look at the consistency here. Oh yeah, fine. Oh yeah, I gotta love. I love consistency. So look at that. More of that. Fly me to the moon. Obviously, for for us at Sega Talk, we still have to do an episode on Bayonetta too. So we'll talk more about Bayonetta's you know other stuff. But as for the future of the franchise, we obviously got a teaser for Bayonetta 3 way back in December 7th, 2017. 
with just a short teaser trailer. So what is taking Platinum Games so long with the third game? So the last update. In an interview with Inaba, the producer at the studio, video uh, he did an interview with Video Game Chronicle in 2019. He said that the team was moving away from orthodox development process. Also saying hmm. maybe the players will recognize this as well. And that's all the hints you get. And ended up and, and ended it with saying that development was going well, which is something they keep on saying. Um, uh, as we know, Bayonetta in this Bayonetta three trailer or teaser was the model for the first game. Do you think that we'll get another major uh, character change? Hmm. I honestly think anything we saw in the Bayonetta three trailer will not be in the game we actually get. It's so far removed that they could have totally changed their complete direction. Different logo, different story, different design, everything. Like, I, I would not be shocked if we get it and we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? I, I feel like every Bayonetta game is going to have a different design Bayonetta, and I think this is their plan since 2. I do think that right. Sega, I mean, I think Nintendo uh, got them with their pants down and were like, we need a Bayonetta 3, and they're like, Oh yeah, here's a teaser trailer and they just put it they just squabbled it together to put it in the event. I think so. Yeah. I think they never really had anything down. I think Nintendo just assumed they were gonna make Bayonetta two point five like Bayonetta two was kind of like a you know, like they took a lot of the stuff from one and they expanded on it. I thought they they probably thought the same thing. It sounds like they might want to be rethinking the idea behind Bayonetta. And I definitely mm. think that they're probably uh, shooting down a bunch of redesigns for the character. To be honest with you, that was the hardest for sure. part. I'm assuming they're still doing it. And uh, now, do you George, think... oh, sorry, mm -hmm. I was going to ask you I was the last do question. Some... I was going to ask you a question. So this is kind of putting you in a corner, and I'll answer <laughs> truthfully too. Have you finished this game? The two, yeah, seventy five percent of it, and then I got the Switch, and then I was like, well, I'm going to get the Switch version, right? And then I never got the Switch version, so now I'm stuck yeah. and not playing it, and it kind of makes I've me never... mad. Yeah, because like now I'm like I've beaten the first one like ten times, zero right. for the sequel, and now I'm like, why? I don't know why. Why? Because... Yeah. So that's yeah. I don't know. I think that's why I'm I'm looking forward to doing an episode on this eventually because it'll one force me to finish it, two we can finally have like an intervention for each other and say like, why we were waiting so, so long for this game. We were wanting it. Oh, I want Bayonetta 2. And then when it comes out, we're like, I'll finish it eventually. What, what is it? What is it? So I'm looking forward to that. I haven't completed Shenmue 3 either. And it's the same thing. I'm like, I want the third game. And then I get it. And I'm like, something about it. I, I feel like sometimes I'm so hyped for games that I like, Oh, it's got to be perfect. Oh, there's a new version of the game. Oh, I better wait. And then I don't get it. And I move on to something else. And then it's a game I don't yeah. even care about. And then I put 80 hours into that game. And I'm like, why didn't I play Bandita 2? But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, Same thing with you... Kingdom Hearts for me, too. I don't know. I'm Same. just like, the third one finally comes out. And I'm like, not interested. <laughs> Do you think Bayonetta 3 will try something bigger than the first two titles that I've tried? And is that why they're taking their time? Or do you think, I don't know, just development stuff? I don't know. It's really hard to say because for me, I've played one. I've played a good amount of two. And I don't really know what the progression would be. I mean, it, it two didn't really change up the formula all that much. So maybe they're just like, they don't want to make another game where it's just different boss designs, different stage designs, and a different 
designed for Bayonetta, but it still basically plays the same. And it, that's why it got me thinking about like Kingdom Hearts, Shenmue, like all of these of these franchises where people waited a long time for the third game. And when it came out, um, I mean, were they disappointed? Were they not? But what changed? I mean, Shenmue, they had a uh, they completely stripped it of its Virtua Fighter like fighting system, and you had to eat things constantly. I don't like that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts three. Kingdom Hearts 3, they actually streamlined it a bit more from what I've heard, and it's a lot more playable than some of the previous titles, and it's pretty easy to get into, I think. Um, so I don't know, like, should Bayonetta 3 be more accessible? Should it throw in um, a gimmick that will really, like, reinvent the genre? Which I think, honestly, it might need to, to get people to turn their heads. Otherwise, it's going to come out and they're just like, oh, it's like Bayonetta 2. It's just more of the same. You know, um, and I don't I think cl- Bayonetta deserves that. Uh, I think that like uh, they they talked about when I was reading about it that even Platinum Games were disappointed with the sales of the first game with Sega, even though it did mm-hmm. like 1.5 million units. And I'm pretty sure that the Switch re-release sold really badly. And I don't think the game maybe it did do over a million units on the Wii U, but I right. I, I highly doubt that the the Nintendo exclusive sold more than this than the. It on two consoles, you know. So right. I, I mean, it's nice that Nintendo is funding these games, but I have to agree with you. There has to be something like Breath of the Wild, where there's such a drastic like move, where like people are like, it, it still has to feel like a Bayonetta game, but they have to add something over it that it makes you feel like right. a more high quality game. I guess. Like, I would know. it be would it be a more non linear one? Would it be open world? Would it be a game where you're Controlling two characters at once, you're jumping between stories. Um, Whatever they do, you know, though, as I don't long know. as it's fun and it's filled with this like arcade style gameplay, I'm 100 percent down. Obviously, so for sure, me too. That's I'd be all there. of my notes. We're done. Okay, you well, read. Um, yeah, if if you are a backer on Patreon at any level, um, every time we do a show, we post up there. Share your memories for the next episode of Sega Talk. And whatever you post, we will read. Again, whatever you post, we will read. So, you know, um, if it's if I can't even get through it, I'm going to try. So <laughs> let's let's see what we got here. Uh, Daniel Andres said, you know what? I just started playing Bayonetta for the Switch about three to four years back or so, and I really love it so far. Such great music, writing, and humor all wrapped up into one glorious hack and slash. And sometimes when I'm playing it, I just can't put the controller down. I really love this game so far, and I really do need to keep playing it sometime soon. Maybe this will get you to finish it. Uh, TH says, Thoroughly enjoyed this game. Challenging, but not overtly so. Um, Didn't have a Wii U, so never played the sequel, unfortunately. Also, Bayonetta is rather hot. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if you're into that. I've heard that. that. I've heard about that before. I think Enzo is kind of cute. Um, Same. Nicholas Schaefer said, well, you said you like those comments. Oh, okay, so here we go. So I've said, if you didn't play the game, still leave a comment, because I want to hear from people who haven't played it. Why haven't you played it? Or, you know, share your thoughts, even if you haven't played it. Um, he said, well, you said you like these comments, so I have never played Bayonetta, and I don't think it's for me. I am mostly a retro game player. I didn't even know it was a Sega game until you guys mentioned it on a video the time two came out, and before I read the last few, listen back to this. There's a lot of retro game 
um, references. Uh, reference not only references but like elements. Like it's it's very level based, very combo based. Um, honestly, it feels like Afterburner Climax turned into an action game. Um, which, to be quite honest, given they say Climax so much and Kamiya is such a big Afterburner fan, I would not be shocked if Afterburner Climax was actually a um, uh, <laughs> influence on this game. Because Witch Time is pretty much Climax mode, which slows down time. I will um, say that a lot of the Clover games had that, like Beautiful Joe. And, so, yeah. I mean, it's kind of been their staple for a bit. Uh, for sure, so for sure. People could say that too. Uh, next, we have Arthur Brown. Uh, Arthur says, My first experience with Bayonetta was playing the demo on the Wii U. At that time, it shocked me that the company that brought us Sonic and Super Monkey Ball also brought us this leather-clad, gun-toting, interdimensional super badass. I don't play Bayonetta much nowadays, but I'd surely play the Bayonetta-Sonic the Hedgehog crossover that Sega is definitely going to make, lol. How would that work? Would Sonic's quills, like, cover his boobs? Would it be uh, I don't know, and, like, would Sonic even be enemies with Bayonetta, or do you think they would, like, team up? Well, I'm thinking she would give him her powers, and he would give her his, so that's why so, Sonic would, like, his quills would go, fly me to the moon, and they'd, like, cover his chest. And she, and I'd he, love it. uh, she eats chili dogs. Yeah, exactly. And then the last comment we hear, have here from H, and like I said, I'll read any comment, he says... Sings better than Frankie, boy. <laughs> okay. I, guess, I Fly me to the moon, I guess. You know, it sounds yeah. better than Frankie, but I think it's like a character from Sopranos coming in here. Hey, sings better than Frankie, boy. Hey, oh. So. <laughs> oh. Oh. I like that. So um, next week, Unity's. Oh, I mean, we already know, right? Yeah, B. We already know, yeah. So next time we are kicking off February, it's going to be our tribute month to the great, late, late, great, Kenji Ino. Um, we're going to be doing D, followed by D2, which will premiere uh, live um, to the public the day before the 8th anniversary of his unfortunate passing. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a sad February. Definitely. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it because I finally get to play these, sit down and really play these games. So until then, uh, George, do you want to close the show out? Bye, everyone. Have a good week. week. Uh, Stay safe. We love you. Bye. Bye. Fly me to the moon. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words.